We're going to do now the portion of Shabbos, a letter, the entire final letter of the section of a collection of letters of the Rebbe. And then we're going to do Sunday's portion, which is a first essay, first chapter, in the final section, the fifth section of Tanya. So I'm going to try to do both briefly, since we have two entire sections to do in one night. So this letter, the last letter, letter 32, leave, heart, is as the first letter, beginnings and ends are connected. So the first letter opened up with a blessing because of the good news that most of the Hasidic congregations had completed the annual study of the Talmud. This final letter also opens up with a blessing, also because of good news, that the Alter Rebbe's followers had organized the collection of charity for the Holy Land. And in each town or in each congregation, there was what we call a gabbai tzedakah. There was someone appointed who pushed all of his brethren to donate money. So the Rebbe here is extending his blessings to the donors and to the gabbaim, to those people in each congregation that were organizing the money, and explains this in spiritual terms. This letter also connects to the first in that both of them bring out the idea of how prayer helps. And there in the first letter, it was speaking how devout concentration during prayer fortifies the mind and brings out the man's love and awe of God. Here, the Rebbe speaks about how arousing a love for God when praying the Shema prayer leads to literally giving your money to God, giving this charity. And when you have inspiration that expresses itself in action, the charity then is the highest level charity because it was created by your own efforts through your labors during prayer. So the Rebbe begins by blessing all the people that gave the money, blessing the people that helped gather the money, implying that not only the money you gave is elevated, but all the work done to create that money is elevated. And even more than that, since the money you give is a percentage of your total earnings, the Alta Rebbe, throughout Tanya, encourages his followers to give 20% of their earnings, one-fifth to charity, which would imply that one-fifth of their money, and therefore one-fifth of the work to earn their money, is elevated to God. And the Rebbe here eludes that it's all the money, because to have one-fifth, you need a total. To give $20, you need 100 So all of your work to create that 20% of the time, all of your money to create that 20% of the money, all of it is something that is now, each one in its own level, going to God. So the Rebbe says here that the person that motivates other people to give is even more praiseworthy than the people that give because he's causing others to do good. And someone that causes others to do good is even greater than the person who does the good. So people like that, meaning someone is inspiring other people to give money. Now, here you are. You gave the money because you were inspired by the person that came around and said, come on, this is so important. Our brethren in Israel are so impoverished, even more than us, and they really need your money. And, and you give. 
That's great. That's amazing. Special. You probably don't have that much yourself, and you give. That's beautiful. So for such giving, the verse says, his charity stands forever. And in the Hebrew, the charity is in the feminine gender. Hebrew is a language which is, like most languages besides English, feminine and masculine gender. Now, why are we saying the charity here is in the feminine gender? Because the donor was aroused by someone else to give the money. In other words, feminine spiritually implies the recipient. Masculine implies the initiator. So here you gave the charity, but you were aroused by someone else to give the charity. So your charity is in a sense coming because of what you received from someone else. You didn't receive the money, but you received the inspiration. So therefore your charity stands forever, which is great. In the feminine, implying you gave a charity because someone else inspired you to. Now, what do we mean stands forever? So all acts of charity and kindness that we perform in this world out of generosity endure in the physical world. This is a very big point that we're not going to go too deeply into because we don't have time. There's a very big innovation of the Rebbe here in writing this. Spiritually, it was believed that the good we do will be expressed in the times of the Messiah. But here, the Rebbe is clearly saying, in the physical world, in our physical world, all acts of charity and kindness will endure, will impact our physical world until the time of the resurrection. And at that time, at the time of the resurrection, it will be manifest, all the divinity, all the infinite light, all the spiritual illumination which transcends all worlds will be fully revealed in this world at the time of the resurrection. But even until the time of the resurrection, even though it's not revealed, all of that energy of our charity is actually here and affecting this world. Now, when we do anything godly, so we're drawing down this godly energy, but the godly energy needs a vessel to invest itself, just as our body is a vessel for the soul, just as fire is attached to a wick. So if we have divinity drawn down by our by the commandment of charity to illuminate the world, it has to be attached to something in the world, just like the wick, just like the body. So what's the vessel? So the vessel here is the kindness and the generosity of your heart. When you're giving, it's not just that you're giving, but you're giving with kindness. You're being generous and you're smiling. You're having empathy for the poor person. That kindness and generosity in your heart is the vessel for God's infinite light drawn down by your act of charity. Kindness is God's right arm, so to speak. Our kindness is the vessel for revelations from God's kindness. So it's not just give. We want you to give. And we want you to give kindly. We want you to give with warmth and with sincerity that you make the other person feel good. Because your kindness allows you to be the vessel for God's energy of kindness that's coming down through your charity. And that's why our sages say charity is recompensed 
only according to the kindness within it. They also say, sow for yourself charity, reap according to the kindness. Sometimes people give generously, but they forget that point. So we're sowing the charity, but we're reaping with the kindness. A harvest is a manifestation of the seed hidden in the soil. And that's the same thing with charity and kindness. The charity and kindness that we perform in exile is hidden and concealed until the time of the resurrection, when the infinite light of God will vest itself and radiate in our physical world. That's the harvest. And the revelation at that time of resurrection surpasses God's revelation in the highest world, in the world of Atsilas, in the world of being. In the highest world, God is one with the vessels of the ten divine attributes. They're utterly fused with the infinite light that's revealed in them. But if that's true, how much more so with the infinite light that encompasses all the world that's higher than the world of Atsilas and higher than the world that's being. In other words, if the vessels that are receiving the lower degree of illumination that permeate the world of being are wholly one with the light that shines in them, then obviously those vessels that are receiving an infinitely higher degree of illumination, an illumination that transcends the world of being, must be wholly one with it, must be totally absorbed and integrated within the illumination, and that's the light drawn down by charity. So now we can look back at the verse we said before, and we spoke about how charity is in the feminine. So earlier in this letter, we explained that charity in that verse was in the feminine gender because your charity was a recipient of someone else inspiring you to give. Now, on a very deep or mystical plane, we can understand charity being in the feminine because you're receiving this radiation from the infinite light of God that encompasses all the world, that's investing itself in the physical world and will be completely revealed in the physical world in the time of the resurrection. So now we have a totally different, a mystical reason why charity is a feminine recipient, right? Charity is man's vessel. It's the receptor for the transcendent light of God. But sometimes charity is in the masculine gender. There's another verse. Sedek lefun of Yehalech. Sedek, charity shall go before him, which is written in the masculine gender. The noun and the matching verb, tzedek and yehaleh, are in the masculine gender. So what's going on here? Here we explained charities in the feminine gender because you're inspired by someone else to give. Okay, well, that's not always applicable. You're not always inspired by someone else to give. But charity is in the feminine gender because charity is really the receptor to receive all of the infinite transcendent light of God. So there's a very deep mystical reason why charity is in the feminine gender. So then why do we find charity also in the masculine gender? So the says this is a different type of charity. This is a charity not coming because you were inspired by someone else. This is a charity that came from your own heart, from your own inspiration, not from someone else's. So where did you get the inspiration from? Remember I said in the beginning, the Rebbe speaks of the power of prayer. Well, here's where the Rebbe says it. That when you really felt your love for God, when you read the Shema prayer, you really want to be one with God. You really want to surrender your soul to God. But one of the things we say then is that we love God with all of our wealth. So 
you took this literally. Your love for God, your surrender to God inspired you to give charity. So this charity is a totally different charity than what we were talking about before. This charity is coming from you and your arousal from below elicits an arousal from God above. A downward flow of the infinite light of God that transcends the world down to the lowest level, down to this physical world. So charity inspired by your service during prayer is called charity in the masculine because it's it's an independent emanation. It elicits the transcendent light. And this unsolicited charity draws down the innermost essence of the light. In other words, if I'm giving charity because someone else inspired me, that charity is a recipient. It's a receptor. It's a vessel for a glimmer of the transcendent light. But if I inspired myself through my love for God, through prayer to give the charity, I'm pulling out the essence of God's infinite light that's coming to me. So this charity, literally, literally, if we if we looked at the verse literally, Tzedek Lefan of Yehalech, charity, loosely we translate as shall go, but really, literally, it means shall lead. So this charity is leading Lefan of, before him, from the face, from the countenance of God. So charity is leading and eliciting the supernal countenance, the most inward aspect of the divine light, much higher than the world of being, all the way down into our physical world. That was the tiny portion of the Shabbat, the last letter. Interesting, the heart of this section of Tanya, letter 32, Lave, all about charity, giving to others, giving to others because you're inspired, and giving to others because you inspire yourself, and its enormous spiritual consequence. Sunday's portion is the first section in the last part of Tanya. Tanya is divided into five sections, just as the Chumash, the Torah, has five sections, five books. Tanya has five books. So Sunday, we are beginning the first of the five books. And these five books officially are um, all with one theme, though the second half of it isn't really as clearly in that theme. The first time these two sections of Tanya, meaning the gathering of letters and this final section was printed, was in the eighth printing of the Tanya, after already the passing of the Altarevis. And officially, this last section is profound discussions and insights on, pa- on Kabbalistic passages that seemingly contradict each other. And the Rebbe is resolving each passage as he, based on, on teachings he taught us in the first section of Tanya, the most foundational section of Tanya. So I will give this over a little briefly because it's the second thing we're doing tonight. <laughs> so basically, this first essay answers two questions. These, again, are, are deep philosophical questions. The first question is, how could we become connected with the seminal wisdom of the world of being, Chachma Vatsilos, by reading the stories of the Torah? And the second question we deal with here is, what does it mean in the Zohar, the Zohar, the foundational work of Kabbalah, that thought accomplishes nothing? In other words, that if you 
think about words of Torah, but you don't articulate them vocally, you're not really doing anything. You're not affecting an arousal from below, and therefore there's no response. There's no arousal from above. So let's do the first, we're going to the first the first question, and then answer the second question. So to understand, if a Jew is studying the laws of Torah, well, you're connecting with God's wisdom. Torah is God's will and wisdom. But when you're reading the stories in the Torah, it doesn't seem like we're connecting to God's wisdom. Now, obviously, we understand that there are many deep spiritual truths hidden in every story, truths that allude to deep spirituality in the higher world. But if you don't know anything about those deep truths, all you know is the storyline. How are you connecting with God's wisdom by reading these stories? So the Rebbe answers this by quoting a Kabbalistic work of the Arizal, Rebbe Yitzchak Gloria, one of the foremost Kabbalists, who says that when you're learning Torah in this world, the source of your soul, which is called the supernal man, meaning it's not a physical person, this is a godly energy that the source of the souls of the Jews is also learning Torah. So you're down below reading, I don't know, Joseph and his brothers, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and you know there's lots of deep stuff here, but you don't know it. But as because you're learning, the divine energy, which is the source of your soul, is also learning. Now, on the level of that divine energy, all the deep truths are apparent. So through the source of your soul, you're bound up with God's seminal wisdom. Because God's seminal wisdom is shining on the level of the source of your soul, the supernal man that's learning because you're learning, and therefore it trickles down to you. And you also are bound up with God's seminal wisdom. So if you're meditating on these words in silence, still the source of your soul is engaged and it's learning and the seminal truths are apparent and it helps you. But if you actually vocalize the words, even though what you're vocalizing are only the stories of the Tyra, the sounds of the words pierce the heavens and ascends to the spiritual level to which that sound is related, meaning the level which matches the service of the person involved. If the person learning is a saint, he's like a chariot to God, he's completely nullified to God, he has no independent will, then his study rises all the way to the highest world, the world of being, the world of Atsila, because that's a world of complete nullification, and he's serving God completely nullified. If you're not on that level, but you're serving God with love and fear that you created through your intellect, then your Torah study, the sound of your voice learning Torah, will rise all the way to the second highest world, to the world of Bria, the world of development, because that's the world of intellect, and you're learning motivated by love and fear that were created by your intellect. If you're learning with love and fear, but an innate love and fear, not an intellectually illicit love and fear, it rises to the third world, the world of Yitzhira, the world of forming. Because the third world is the world of emotion. And you're learning with emotion. And if you're not even learning with that, you're not learning even with the innate love and fear, 
but you still are learning with a nullification to God. You're learning because God wants you to learn. And you have that basic, as we say, Kabbalah's all. You have that basic acceptance of God's yoke. You're not completely nullified, like we'll be in the highest world. You're not intellectually motivated love, like in the second world. You're not innate love, but you have a basic acceptance of God's yoke, and that's why you're learning, because you know he wants you to. So your voice also rises. It rises from our physical reality to the spiritual manifestation of this world, the spiritual world of Asiya, the spiritual world of action. So therefore, everyone's voice is piercing the heavens and going somewhere even when you're only reading the stories of the Torah without knowing any of the deeper meanings. Now let's go to our second question. The second question was what it says in the Zohar, in the basic work of Kabbalah, esoteric wisdom, that thought accomplishes nothing. That if you only think words of Torah, but you don't articulate them, you're not affecting above. So the Rebbe explains that it's true enough, since you're talking about. <laughs> if you're thinking, because thought has a tremendous power. If you're studying Torah, as we just explained, your thoughts are going to tremendously impact where that Torah goes, as I just went through, all four levels of thought, and based on that, all four levels of the world your Torah will go to. So what the Zohar is saying is true, but it means something different. What the Zohar means is thought alone cannot draw down the flow of divine light. So if you are really loving and fearing God through the spiritual toil of your soul, but you didn't do any commandments with that love and fear, meaning there's no deed, there's not even any word that expresses this love and fear, then truly it's not going to draw down any flow of divine light. Because the soul is in this world to draw down divine light, to refine most specifically our body and our animal soul. Those are the two specific jobs every single one of us has. We have to refine our body. We have to refine our animal soul. How do we refine our body and animal soul? By serving God in a manner that divine light will come down and refine us. Refine us doesn't mean our godly soul. Our godly soul is refined. It doesn't mean our refinement. We start off perfect. But the body and the animal soul need the refinement of the divine light drawn down by our words and our actions. So if we have enormous love and fear of God, enormous spiritual intent, but it doesn't actually express itself in a word, doesn't actually express itself in an action, no divine light is going to be drawn down. And then my body and animal soul won't be refined. But that's in terms of drawing down divine light. But there's another whole dimension of my job here which is elevate light to God, to elevate this world to God. And this specifically, as we were discussing earlier, is done by my thoughts, by my intention, by my love and my fear. So when I'm talking about drawing down light, I need the words, I need the actions. Thought alone isn't going to do it. But when I'm talking about elevating, specifically my thoughts are the most powerful vehicle to elevate. Again, they have to elevate something. So you have to do the commandment or learn the Torah or say the words of prayer. 
But what is the catalyst to move that commandment, that Torah, that prayer upward? The intensity and the purity of my thoughts. And if it's complete nullification, if it's intellectually created love and fear, if it's innate love and fear, if it's acceptance, the yoke of God, that level of purity and intent of my thoughts and my emotions, that's going to determine exactly where what I'm doing is going to ascend to. The thoughts are very powerful in terms of bringing up the light, but what brings most down the light to this world to refine my body and animal soul are my actions. So basically, do it and do it with a lot of godly intent to change yourself, to change the world, and of course to bring Mashiach Messiah now.